0: Reality, what is reality? You know, we talk, uh, uh, use that term, and we talk about reality a lot, and we we say, well, what's real is what I can experience with the five senses, and yet we know there's more than that. So when we are in this series on reality, we've been talking about things like memory. We talked about how memory is now being stored in DNA. Silicon Valley has realized that they don't have enough storage space uh, to store all the information overload we're getting. And so we talked about that the first week. And, and then uh, last week we talked about things that relate to kind of the emotional things like time and how do we, how do we fit time into all that we're doing and God's perspective on time. And today we're going to talk about excellence. And you might ask yourself, well, excellence, how does that have to do with reality? Well, let's, uh, let's just kind of jump into a few things here. Let's talk about time, space, space. And matter. And no, this is not a physics course, though we might get a little physics in here. I was uh, speaking on Egypt one time when Arab Spring came, and we got a call before the talk from the State Department. Want to know if I was indeed going to speak on Egypt in the middle of this this event that was going on? I said I am. And then it, you always get a little nervous. And typically, in the crowds that I attract, everyone is pretty casually dressed. You know, if, if you have a necktie, you're visiting. That's kind of the rule. And I looked out, and I saw an Egyptian man in a necktie, and I got a little worried. And then a minute when minute well, I got done talking, he walked up to me, and he said, uh, I, I want you to know I am the ambassador from Egypt to the United States, and here's my card. And you had it exactly right. Thank you so much for doing that. And I kind of, you know, kind of sighed a, a breath of relief because I got it right. And that secondly, that he was a legitimate guy and not going to do something bad to me. And then he said, hey, why don't you come to Egypt with me? And I said, look at me. I would stand out like a great pyramid over there. In the middle of Arab Spring, I'm not going. No. So I'm going to say this as a disclaimer. If you are a world-class physicist and I get it wrong, I apologize, and you can see me afterwards and straighten it out. Is that good? All right. So let's talk about time, space, and matter. And what's really interesting is the Bible addresses all of these things. It addresses them very straightforward, and science and theology are not at odds with one another. The church overall through the generations has done a bit of a disservice to understanding how both are on a quest to find information, knowledge, and truth. And we don't want to be at at odds with those who are in that scientific community who actually we are the beneficiary of many, many great scientific breakthroughs. At the same time, we want to acknowledge that God also is the one that we want to, to, we want to look at and go, God, ultimately truth, knowledge, and redemption comes from you, and so we want to pursue that with the excellence that the scientist pursues, his endeavors to find out knowledge and truth. When we talk about these three things, time, space, and matter, and thanks to Einstein, we understand them much better, we talk about what's called a continuum. A time-space continuum. And if you understand a little bit about physics, you understand that all of these three things have to come together at the same time, that you cannot separate out these three items here, time, space, and matter. For if there's matter in no space, where would you put it? Just let your mind go through this a little bit. If there were matter in space but no time, when would you put it? So you cannot have space and time and matter independently. They all come into existence at exactly the same time. Now, what's really interesting is when you put the Bible over that time-space continuum, we're going to show you Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and look what it says. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter, So you see there's a relevancy to the Bible if you know how to look at the Bible. Sometimes you have to take your Bible and just set it with it for a moment and look at it and say, God, speak to me. Show me what's going on in the Word of God that I might know and understand better. So I began to do that with this word excellence. And I said, God, what you have done in the creation of man is so excellent. I mean, if you stop to think about just you, nobody else, just you for a moment, you were excellently made by the hand of God in his image. I mean, just, just let that soak in a minute. We tend to compare ourselves and we tend to devalue ourselves and we, we tend to, to kind of wish we were something else and, and, and really, in a sense, that's doing a disservice to the creator who created you the way he did. That you are designed perfectly by God what what gets us off is we we think our purpose is other than what it is or we try to to be somebody we're not or we try to be what somebody else is and we get frustrated because we can't be an original god is looking for originals who say i want to find my purpose and excellence in you this week i was introduced to an artist an 11-year-old boy in africa and when I watched, I, I finished watching a, a much longer segment of a video that I'm going to show you now, and I, I stood back and I said, there's so many themes running through this. There's creativity running through this. There's compassion running through this. There's, there's life and just opportunity and everything running through this. But the one thing I stepped back and I said, but excellence runs through this. And here's an 11-year-old boy who's captured not only a, an ability to, to draw with excellence, but he also has this heart to see a society in a very, very mature way. I, I want to show you the video, and then we'll we'll make some comments about it. So watch this.
1: When people see his lifelike works of art, they find it hard to believe that Warri's Kareem is only 11 years old. He started selling his drawings when he was eight. Wares spends hours sketching his models. Waris says he's also inspired by his country Nigeria and the difficulties many face here.
2: Everybody, my sights, as Lepona, all my streets, they struggle, struggle, they sweat for their eats.
1: Artist Adenei Adewali teaches youngsters in this Lagos courtyard. He says Waris is his most gifted student. You can go far. Far than even beyond our expectation. I used to tell him that don't you see yourself like a roadside artist. Believe you can be like you can, you can have a name like Michelangelo, like Da Vinci. Waris Kareem says he hopes one day his work will be displayed in international museums. Judging by the stunning quality of his art, it's a dream that could come true quite soon.
0: I mean, isn't that amazing? I watched that, and my heart kind of paused. I looked at the quality and the depth, and then I heard the voice and the, and the message that came through what he said. And I looked at it, and I said, what would happen if every one of us would strive for excellence? What would happen if you would take your life and whatever you're doing right now, and you said, I'm going to strive for excellence? Or to make it simpler, what would happen if you said, I would just apply 5% more to what I do to excellence? You see, God knows that when, we are, when we're pursuing excellence, what we're really doing is we're pursuing him who created us to be that perfect person, that perfect model of his creation, created in the image of God to do great and mighty things. When I heard his teacher say, you can have a name like Michelangelo, you can have a name like Da Vinci, the first thought that came to me, he was pouring into this kid hope, dreams, going places. Undoubtedly, this little boy knows about these great artists of the past. And all of a sudden, he, that boy in his creative imagination, in that thought, he said, I can be a household name like Michelangelo. I can be a household name like Da Vinci. He was doing the greatest thing that he could do for that little boy, not just teaching him, but casting vision of greater things than were ever possible in the mind of a little boy living on the streets, basically, in Nigeria. God, if God can do that to him, what is God saying to you? What is God wanting to do in you and through you? And all of we, sometimes what we do is we start making excuses. We say, yeah, but you don't know my situation. Really, is it worse than that? I mean, really, you're living hungry on the streets of Nigeria, and you've got an excuse? I don't think so. See, if you're going to pursue excellence, you have to take excuses Blame, criticism, you have to take all of those and you have to put them aside and say, there is nothing that is preventing me from having a household name like Michelangelo and Da Vinci. Put your hands together for that. I mean, that's true. That's you. As I was studying Scripture, I was studying the book of Daniel, and I, I love the book of Daniel because it, it's got just so many wonderful themes from the prophetic to the historical to you know, to, to just deep, deep things about the Spirit of God and prayer and, and the demonic warfare and how to overcome the enemy. But I came to this Scripture because it, it just tied into this, this idea of excellence. Daniel, if you don't know, was a boy about 13 years old when he was taken captive by Nebuch- uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, the king of Babylon. And he went into, the, into Jerusalem there, and he took the best and the brightest of the kids. And he basically kidnapped them, took them as captives, and made them slaves in the land of Babylon. And then he took them and put them through a very regimented kind of system of learning the Babylonian ways, from the religion to the education to the philosophy to all of those things, that they might, be, they might raise up this, this group of wise men, by the way, who would impact their culture. But this Daniel was different. There was something about him that distinguished himself from the very beginning. Let's pick up the scripture, Daniel chapter 5 and verse 12. It says of him, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in, notice, this Daniel. See, his name already sets him apart. This Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. So all of a sudden, now he's progressed in this kingdom. There's a dilemma. They cannot interpret a dream. They call upon Daniel because he had distinguished himself with this excellent spirit. They brought him in here, and they said, you can, you can solve this riddle. You can solve this enigma. I thought it was interesting. The word enigma in the Hebrew literally means to untie a knot. You see, you face knots all throughout your lifetime, that is, things that are not functioning the way they're supposed to function. They're tied up. They're, they're, they're not doing what, they, what God designed them to do, and so you have to untangle those knots before you can solve the riddle. Now, I, when I read that, I thought to myself, it reminds me of my wife because she always brings me those little skinny chains that get knots in them. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Those were designed by jewelers to do that. Nobody, no, nobody would do that if they had to untangle them, but she would bring me over the years a knot, one of those, and I would get so frustrated, and I would take and I'd say, look, let's just buy a new one. I mean, this is, this is impossible, and, but I became the professional knot remover of small jewelry chains in our household, and I began to take it with a certain sense of pride. I can do this, and no one else in my household can do it, and then one day I caught her untangling a chain, and I realized she could do it all along. She didn't want to do it all along. She wanted me to do it because it was a very difficult, tedious task. And all of a sudden, I went from the expert chain knot detangler to a commoner. What do you do when you are handed a knot? Do you hand it off because you don't want the responsibility, or do you solve the problem? Do you untangle the knot? You see, in every life illustration and every principle, there's something that you can, you can take out and you can begin to apply it to spiritual things. And I really believe we've become a bit of a society who wants to hand it off or not take responsibility for something. And yet here's Daniel, all of a sudden he's distinguished himself because of an excellent spirit. He had proven himself in such a way that he was the one who could untangle the enigma, solve the problem, and give the interpretation. And I realize it's because excellence is a choice. You choose every day to do something with excellence or to not do it with excellence, to do it 80% of the way or 100% of the way. Let me show you how it manifests itself and how you can can really begin to understand this. Do you keep your car clean inside and out? You see, it's it's a reflection of excellence. And if you do not, what it's saying about you is there are other areas that are equally cluttered and dirty. Get a little close to home. How about your house? Do you keep your house clean and neat and tidy, or do you leave it in disarray? Instead of looking at like, well, you know, that's just one part of my life. No, that really is a reflection of every part of your life. And what we want to do is we want to change a mindset. We don't want to try to point out some weakness. What we want to do is say, no, let's, let's find a corrective path to bring us to excellence in every single area of our life. As you know, Caroline Leaf, she was here uh, last year and spoke. Um, she does a lot of work with the brain, and, and I, came, I was reading her book, and I came across this quote. I just wanted to share it with you. It says, scientists are discovering precise pathways by which changes in human thinking operate as signals that activate genetic expression. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. So what science has been able to tell us is, that when we think properly, we literally open up pathways of thinking that unlocks genetic expressions that have been laying dormant in our mind. In other words, there's a lot of things that God could do in you and through you should thinking move in the right direction and you unlock some genetic expressions that are tied up in your brain right now. Now, what makes that really interesting is when you realize that 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We now know that your mind can be renewed, that your mind can literally change the pathways and the thinking, clean up toxic thoughts in your mind. We didn't know that scientifically 2,000 years ago, but science has now revealed it in recent days that you literally can renew your mind. You really can begin to think new things. And the scientific term for it is a neuroplasticity. That means that your brain literally can change by the way you think. Your mind controls your brain. And you can literally change the way you think from toxic to non-toxic thoughts, to giving direction, to no direction, to excellence, to no excellence. You can change that minute by minute. Look what it says here. Which then produce changes in our brains and bodies. Our genetic makeup fluctuates by the minute. Do you realize you make a decision right now where you sit, where you stand, to say, I'm going to pursue excellence. Do you realize your mind's already going to work? You don't have to wait. You say, i got to go home and think about it. No, you don't. Your mind works all the time. And right now, you can say, I'm going to pursue excellence. I make that decision. Your brain says, okay, good. I've been waiting for that. Let's get started, all right, by what we're thinking and by what we're choosing. Clearly, then, the advice from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 will have profound healing and regenerative impact on our bodies and minds by affecting our genetic expression. In other words, good thinking brings about good health not only to your mind but also to your body. Look what it says in Philippians. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if any is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So what it's telling you is if you're if the if the things you're thinking about doesn't fit into that category, then stop thinking about those things and move over into the category, is this true, is this lovely, is this noble, is this excellent, is this praiseworthy? Think on these things. Because what that does is that is the the, the very thing that helps you move into the direction of good thinking and excellence in your life. So it goes on to say, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, make this truth your life choice. So I choose things like this. So your choice, think about that. Your choices start with your mind. They don't start with your environment. They don't start with your excuses. They don't start with something else. It starts with your mind. You have complete control of your mind right now if you want it. What will you think about? What will you embrace? You are the sum total of all your choices up until this point in your life. Are you happy with your choices? If not, then today I've got good news. is a new day, and you can start making new choices with your mind. The way, The direction you're going to take your mind, you can start to move in a whole new realm. You see, because what happens is when you think right, you activate these genetic pathways in your mind. And as you activate them, all of a sudden you go, wow, I I just have clarity of thought. I can see things differently now. I can operate on a much higher level because I've got some of the clutter out of my mind, and I can go in the right kind of course. You see, so your choices, what do they do? Your choices will do this. They will open doors for you or they will close doors for you. The way, literally the way you think. I'm not talking about actions right now. I'm talking about the doors, the way you think will open doors for you. Do you want doors open? Do you want doors closed? Which ones do you want open? Which ones do you want closed? The way you think, the way you perceive things, the way you walk in it, the way that you operate is going to have everything to do with it. Now let's talk a little bit about, uh, about excellence and quantum physics. Now quantum physics is not something we typically talk about in church, right? Right? Right, okay, but we're going to just dive into it a little bit here and not, not get too overwhelmed with it. But there's something called quantum entanglement. Now, on a very subatomic level, stay with me now, don't, don't, don't tune me out. On a very subatomic level, when two particles connect, they stay entangled, regardless of where they are located. So you could take two particles, you could put them together, and then you could separate them by a million miles, but they're still entangled, isn't that interesting? Okay, now, what's the application for that? The application of that is this, that we can, once we are connected together in the body of Christ, we stay connected to the body of Christ. So you are connected to brothers and sisters whom you've never met because there is a spiritual application. You see, whenever you have something in science, wherever you have something in life, what you always want to say is, that's interesting. And then the second thing is, what's the application? How do I make that relevant? How do I tie that into my daily life? And so I begin to think about this thing called quantum entanglement, and they're connected regardless of their distance. So all of a sudden, I understand something about it. There's a second thing in quantum physics we want to talk about, and that's superposition. And superposition is a particle is present in all possible states simultaneously. So in other words, that these particles are not just operating in one kind of idea of, let's say, space that they can operate in multiple spaces around the world or into another dimension. We talk about the fourth dimension a little bit. We talk about the spiritual being the fourth dimension. But scientists believe today there are 10 dimensions of time. Tomorrow they may discover there's 20. The next day they may discover there's 100. You see, that's not our enemy. Because as someone has said When the scientist reaches the final summit in life, he will find the theologian waiting for them because there's something about God in us revealing through us truth as long as we understand that God has created people of all different kinds, and and some of them believe in God and some of them don't, but they're all on a journey. You see, a scientist who doesn't believe in God is on a quest for truth and knowledge and understanding. Guess what the Holy Spirit brings Truth, knowledge, and understanding. My good friend, who's Dutch, he is um, his uncle. Uncle Peter lives in Amsterdam, and uh, we kind of connected early because I was I'm Dutch, and so we kind of related to that. And then he began to tell me about his uncle, who's this avid atheist. He just like the most obnoxious atheist on the planet. Uh, he was. Uh, one of the guys that was the original creator of the MRI machine. So he's kind of a smart guy, and he's kind of intimidating. So when Uncle Peter would come to the, to, from the Netherlands to the United States, they would never say grace at their table because it just created too much turmoil. It was just easier to pray under your breath, eat, and get Peter on his way. I mean, that was just how they approached it. So one day, Mikey, was uh, he, he called up his brother Peter in Amsterdam, and he said, Hey, uh, Peter, what are you doing? He said, oh, Hey, I'm getting ready to go to church. Can I call you later? He says, No, you can't. You're getting ready to do what? yeah i 'm going to church and he says, Well, what are you doing? He says, Well you know i, I got to tell you i 'm with a team of international scientists there 's twelve of us, and uh, what we do is we 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 tackle problems that are not in the public knowledge and they 're so complex it 's just astronomical and so it's kind of like walking through one door and then you find 20 doors and you walk through that one of those doors and you find 40 doors and you walk through another one and you find uh another 60 doors and so it's so complex and he said so we kept going through these going through these and and with every everything it just became mind-blowing what we got and we got through that let's call it the final door until this happened and all of a sudden with no bible no preacher no message anything else 11 of the 12 became believers in jesus christ you say, how does that happen? It happens because the complexity of the universe reveals God. Colossians 1.15 says, God holds all things together by the word of his power. All things were created by him and for him, and nothing exists that exists that was not created by him and for him. You see, complexity is not our enemy. It's actually our friend. When you begin to, to, to get that mindset, all of a sudden things begin to change. You see, it's what's in you that changes those around you. Let me say it again. It's what's in you that changes those around you. It's not what's outside of you that changes those around you. It's what's inside of you. And when you have the Spirit of God in you, when you have character in you, when you have excellence in you, when you have all these things, it is absolutely attractive. There is, a, there is a law of attraction. You've probably heard of the law of attraction. It's actually based on quantum physics. We won't talk about it today. But like attracts like. Like produces after like kind. And that's a principle of the word of God, is it not? God created all things. Everything re- reproduces after its own kind. And so when you think certain thoughts, you're going to reproduce those. You're going to be attracted to people who have those same kind of thoughts, that same kind of vision. And so if you say, well, if you think loser thoughts, you're probably going to attract losers. Haven't you ever noticed that? I mean, it's just so true in life. You just like, you know, like you get around a bunch of people that grumblers. Have you ever noticed that more grumblers show up? Like, we got a whole small group. We're going to call them, call the grumblers. Let's just, who's the leader? Doesn't matter. Put them all in a room, see who survives. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so now you attract excellence by excellence. When you have excellence in your life, what you're doing is you're attracting more people that have excellence. Now, it's really interesting when you begin to study words because words have usage, but they also have meaning. So we'll use certain words, and they'll have multiple kind of meanings. But, but really, if you go back to the origin, where did that word come from, and why does it mean what it means? So the word excellent is a word that means a cliff that juts outward in the Latin. Also in the Hebrew, the same kind of a, of a connotation. So it's a it's a cliff that juts outward, and so if you can imagine, you're climbing up a mountain. All of a sudden, you see this this cliff that's just kind of jutting out, and it's just hanging precariously on the side of this mountain. And you stop long enough, you go, "Wow, look at that! That's amazing! It's a, it's amazing. It just hangs there like that in space, like that, and it catches your attention because it's so unusual. That's excellence." It's just so unusual. You just go, wow, that's amazing. Look how it juts out, and it becomes obvious to everybody, and you pause, and you observe excellence. The word mediocre from the Latin means halfway up the mountain. The idea is you're not willing to go to the summit. You're not willing to find the, ju- the cliff that juts outward. What you're only willing to do is go halfway up the mountain, and then you're dissatisfied, and you go back down the mountain. So you miss out on all that God wants to do. Mediocre... People work really hard to be mediocre, to get out of work, to get out of doing, to get out of study, to get out of whatever. And yet there's something inside of us that says I'm not satisfied with that. I remember my first year of college, it was the greatest year of my life, up until I met my wife. Got to qualify that. But it was a great year of my life. I mean, I'm going away to college. I'm, I'm out of high school. My parents aren't there. It's just like crazy fun. I get bad grades. My dad says, you're going in the Army. I said, I think I can do better. And I go from really not getting good grades at all to the honor roll. How did I do that? I had the same brain going in as out, but I used it differently. I thought in excellence instead of failure. I thought in excellence instead of party. And what happens is it only takes one second for you to shift everything in your life, go in a new direction, and change your life. But people go down a pathway, pathway. I don't know why this always happens to me because you think dumb. You think dumb, you act dumb. Come on, put your hands together. That's true. All we have to do is change a little bit in our mind and things begin to go. You see, what happens also, excellence gains legal ground in with the enemy. When you, when you begin to have excellence, you begin to see things different. I was captivated by, I'm always captivated by David and his whole encounter with Goliath. So here's David, and he's not considered worthy of the entire family. He's the eighth son of Jesse. They're down at the, the seven boys are down there with Jesse. They're down going to battle. They're going to battle this giant Goliath. Goliath is like 10 feet tall. Anomaly of nature in that time, and at any time. In fact, he had, if you study it in Scripture, they had six toes on each feet, and there were webs between their toes. Something from an outer space movie, right? And here's this Goliath. He stands there, and 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 they wouldn't let David fight. They just sent him to go get some bread and some and some milk and bring it down to the soldiers. So he was really just serving. His job was to serve. He comes down, and he sees this giant of a man, and all of Israel is intimidated by it. And immediately, this servant heart says to the giant, who is this Philistine dog that defies the armies of the Most High God? What? Who is this guy? Little, little David. He looks over at the Philistine And says, God has delivered me from the mouth of the bear and the paw of the lion. Surely this Philistine dog is no match for the God of heaven. And everybody's looking around like, let him go try. We don't want to go out there against that dude, right? So they try to put armor on him, but it doesn't fit well. He's not hasn't ever tried fought in armor before. So he goes down. He says, "I just need five stones." And so he goes down to the. He picks out five stones. Why five? You think he was going to miss four times? No. He, because Goliath, who you study scripture. He had four brothers. You make one brother mad, you know four more are going to show up. It's just a principle of life. You ever been to high school? That's what happens. You picking on my little brother, I'm going to pick on you. Okay, so here's what happens. So he goes down, he picks up the stone. He's got this thing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm doing this thing with the sling, all I'm thinking about is I hope I hit him. Right? David's thinking, I can't miss him. Look how big he is. He's swinging the thing. He lets it go. It hits him in the forehead, knocks Goliath down on the ground, doesn't kill him. A lot of people think, well, he he killed him with a stone. No, he didn't kill him with a stone. He knocked him down with a stone. He went over, he took his sword out, and he cut his head off. And it says he marched back into Jerusalem with his head in his hand. Now, don't miss what's going on here. This is not a story about violence. (laughs) Right? It's violent, but it's not a story about violence. Why would he kill him with his own sword? Because, you see, the sword is a picture of the Word of God. The Word of God is sharp like a two-edged sword. And what it does is it divides asunder, it divides in half your soul and your spirit, your mind and your body. It has an ability, it says, to discern truth. When Jesus returns, he will return, the Bible says, and here's the language, he will return with a sharp two-edged sword coming forth from his mouth whereby he will judge the nations. How? With truth. When I apply the word of God to a situation, what I'm doing is I'm separating out my spirit man and my soul man so that I understand what's really happening in the situation. What's really happening here is that David is thinking correctly. He's thinking, if I kill him with a stone, that'll be my reputation. But if I kill him with his own sword... I will take the enemy, I will take the power of the enemy away, and I'll apply it to the truth of God, the word of God, and I will take his head from him. And when I take the head, I'll kill the body. And the Philistines were intimidated by David from that day forth. Listen to this quote. I thought it was so good. I'd like you to read this quote if I could find it. No trumpets sound when important decisions of your life are made. Destiny is made known silently. See, David had a destiny he didn't know. He didn't go there to. He didn't go there to to fight. He went there to serve. Do you realize that when Jesus came, he didn't come here to fight. He came here to serve. He said, "The Son of Man." Is came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom. He said, "I'm willing to fight the enemy. I'm willing to take the head of the enemy, Satan. But I want you to know I'm going to do it in the right way. I'm going to progressively move through this in such a way that it's going to make complete sense, and I'm going to do it with great excellence. You see, just like David came to serve and Jesus came to serve, if you come to fight, you've lost already. You come to serve." I come to serve the king of kings. If he brings me a battle, then I battle. If he brings me another bucket, then I carry it. Until you have the heart of a servant, you can't, be, you can't be master over anything because you have to have the heart of Jesus, and the heart of Jesus was a servant heart. Do you realize servanthood is the thing that a lot of people look at? Well, I'm tired of serving. Really? Then you must be, then Jesus as your example. What happened to that? He served to the time he died. And guess what? We look at him and we go, look look what he did. Look what Jesus did out of service. Excellence reveals your divine assignment. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3. Then this Daniel, here it is again. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps. So now think about this. The entire political system, the governmental system of Babylon right now goes, who is this Daniel? The governors are now diminished. The satraps, these are different roles for like politicians and leaders within the kingdom. They're now diminished. Why? Because this Daniel has so, so distinguished himself. Look what it says above the governors. Because why? An excellent spirit was in him. They saw excellence in him. The king gave thought to setting him over the entire realm. The king says, you know what? This guy is so amazing, I wonder if I should elevate him up to the place of prominence in terms of being over the entire kingdom. He will be number two in the kingdom right under me. You see, what he did was he turned his ordinary situation into something extraordinary. See, all of us live in the, in the ordinary. We have moments of the extraordinary. All of us have the ordinary. We can turn into the extraordinary more of the time. A lot of people interpret this to say, well, I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to go to work and I'm just going to open my Bible. I'm going to tell them what it's all about. That's not excellence. That's obnoxious. Watch what I'm saying now. When you demonstrate, you say, when people say to you, how come you work harder? How come you work longer? How come you have such a good attitude? And then you look at me and you say, you want to know? Because I love Jesus. Because I'm not working for this company, I'm working for Jesus. Whatever I do in, in word or deed, I do unto the glory of God. And you want to know about more about that, Jesus? You see, you prove yourself by your excellence and you give opportunity to sit at the table when significant conversations begin to take place. You live out your faith, but you don't push it. Jesus said we need to be, we need to be crafty like a serpent, all right, but innocent like a dove, In other words, somebody's going to go, I don't know how I got in this conversation about Jesus, but this is really interesting. Because what you did was you became supernaturally natural in that situation, and you became so winsome in that moment they didn't know what else to do. I say of Sarah over here, Sarah Salsa, she is on our our team here with her husband, and I I always say she's she's like a... um, a terrorist of love. She just like loves everybody into the kingdom. It's just like she will not take no for an answer. She just keeps loving you, loving you, loving you, and you just tell her no, no, no. I mean, I literally hear testimony. sarah has been asking me to church for three years. I finally gave up. I came. Here I am, and I love it. That's an excellence. See, that quality is an excellent quality. That's unique. What she does is not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do what you're supposed to do. Amen? Your assignment from God will always be discovered in the problems you're trying to solve. The Apostle Paul, what was the problem he was trying to solve when he came to faith in Christ? He wanted to make, he wanted to make the world to know Jesus. Jesus came with a problem to solve, the sin of mankind. Daniel came what? To reveal the God of heaven to the Babylonians. But it always was in the context of the problem. What is it that aggravates you? What is the thing that, that, that steams you up and say, I wish I could solve that problem? That's probably an indication of your destiny, of your calling, of your assignment from God. God wants you to solve that problem. For the scientist who looks at the world and says, I, I don't know God, but I want to uh, I, I find out the origin of the universe. And he comes up with a Big Bang Theory. Okay? He's on a quest for knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. But in the midst of the complexity of the universe, we can find God. In the midst of the complexity of how do I solve this problem, you say, well, I don't even know how to solve this problem. I'm one person. What can I do? Do everything you can do and then build a team around you to help solve that problem. Because I guarantee you there will be other people who are trying to solve the same problem in your life. But see, what really comes out of that is a revelation to you. Why am I on planet Earth? What's my purpose? What's my design? And when you find that, or you even get just a little bit into that, you also go, wow, life is really fun now. See, if your purpose in life is just to relieve some suffering from somebody, when you do that, you feel so good in it. It might indicate a bigger purpose. A friend of mine he, uh, he grew up without a dad, and he became pretty successful in his life. And I asked him one time, I said, hey, what brings the most meaning to your life? And he says, I go down into Patterson, New Jersey, which if you know where Patterson is, it's kind of a rough part of New Jersey, and I teach inner-city kids math. I said, how often do you do that? He said, I do it every week. I said, I've been doing it for 12 years. I said, why do you do that? He said, because I didn't have a dad who could teach me math. What's his purpose? Is his purpose to work for a big software company in New York? No. That's just his revenue stream. His purpose is to help kids understand math who don't have a dad. He can go to his grave happy because he found out something of what he could give back in his purpose and his destiny in life. It doesn't have to be some grandioso thing. It doesn't have to be something that is hard to do or impossible to do. It just has to be your thing, what God's called you to do. And imagine if the body of Christ were just unleashed in excellence and if they said, we're going to pursue all of these things with all of our heart and all of our mind. We're going to pursue it at the same time we're going to love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. What would happen? I believe the greatest, the greatest things have yet to be discovered because of a lack of excellence. Whether it's, whether it's solving AIDS, the cure for AIDS, or whether it's solving, you know, cancer or whatever else. I, I believe they're just, if we would just pursue excellence, there's no telling what God could do in us and through us. And I can't think of a people I'd rather see pursue that than people who follow after Jesus. It should be said of us, that is the pursuit of our heart, excellence in every area of our life. It's our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, everything given over to the Father, amen? All right, let's stand together. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do tonight, today. I, uh, I didn't plan on doing this, so I, I don't have a nice, well-written speech I did in the first service, and it was, uh, it was well-received. But I, I want to I pray over you, and I want to I ask for a spirit of excellence to fall on you in, in a way that would just seal it in your heart. You know, sometimes we just need to have that step where we step into it a little bit and, uh, and formalize it a bit. So if you'd like us to, to pray over you, I'm just going to ask you to come right now. We're going to pray over you. We're going to pray a spirit of excellence over you. We're going to challenge you to do that. So just come forward and stand right up here. Just come quickly so we don't, we don't delay the service too long. Just kind of come in close so we've got room for everybody. Just squeeze in here, guys. Make room. Debbie, come on up for a little bit there. There you go, girl. Now, whether you're standing here you're standing back there and you say, it's too crowded, I don't have room, just squeeze on in. Just come on down if you want to. Don't, Don't ever let the size of the crowd keep you from what you feel in your heart. If you're intimidated by that, you'll be intimidated by everything in your life. Whether you're standing here, you're sitting, you're standing back there, I want you to know, I want everyone to know this. You are wonderfully, uniquely made by Almighty God for a divine purpose and a destiny that goes beyond what you could ever imagine. And what God wants to do in you and through you, today, let today be a turning point. Remember, it only takes one thought to change the direction of your life. Because excellence is a choice. If you will start excelling at what you're doing already, you will see new things happen instantly. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a blessing over you and I'm gonna ask you just to repeat it out loud. This is not scripted, this is just gonna come from the Spirit of God right now. And uh, you just pray it out loud with me. Dear Jesus, I pray for a spirit of excellence, power and authority to be imparted to me right now. I choose to change the direction of my mind that I might see all that you have for me. I trust you. I give you my mind, my body, and my spirit to be used mightily by the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. If you receive it, say, I receive it. And we're going to sing this song together. Yeah, put your hands together. That's good. Sing this together. Now, let me just say this, I'm so challenged by excellence that I'm, we're going to sing a duo next Sunday. No, you do have to have some aptitude, just, let's just be honest, but also, Tammy, I don't know if you know this, but today is Matt's birthday as well. So happy birthday, Matt, congratulations on, on life and you and Kelly, and All that God is doing in your life. We love you much. Just in case you don't know, uh, Matt is getting married next month. Can I say this? Well, it it doesn't matter to me. It only matters to you. When it happens, it just has to happen, right? It's going to happen. And so we just rejoice with you. So uh, he's marrying Kelly from our staff here. And so. So we love you both and we rejoice with you in in all things and uh, we just pray a blessing on you and and your family and and what God is doing. Uh, Of course, it means that you're taking Kelly to Florida, which we're really not happy about. But I can see you're really weeping crocodile tears over it. Um, Hey, next Sunday, be here next Sunday. We're gonna have some exciting stuff for you. It's gonna be great. Remember, next Sunday morning and night, and I think, if I'm, if I'm right here, Matt and Melody, I, I think that this is the first time since the album release where we've had all four of our collective singers on the stage together. Is that right? Yeah. So Melody, Whitney, Matt, and, and, and Michael Kettier will all be here Sunday night, and uh, it's going to be a great worship time. What do we have Sunday morning? We have you. What are, do you know what we're doing next Sunday? It, it, don't you like Jordan? Isn't it Jordan a good guy? Good hair, brother. Good hair. Anyway, uh, hey guys, uh, go by the prayer wall and uh, put a prayer in the in the uh, wall. And then this week, thrive in excellence. Find a li- even a little ways can help give you launch you into something bigger and better and then invite someone to be with you that's a that's a mark of excellence too like hey if this was if you were blessed by this bring somebody with you we're gonna we're gonna keep going this series on reality through the month of august and so we've got some exciting stuff coming for you god bless you guys have a great day in the lord